What's up, y'all? This is John Ryan Cantu, and this is the JRC Podcast. Thank you for joining me on another episode. As I discuss today with my guest for the week, Gen Z. Uh, So Gen Z is that generation right after uh, millennials. They were born between like the mid-90s to early 2010, something like that. And um, they were born into the tech era. They grew up with social media. And every generation leaves a certain mark on the church. And, you know, as a pastor, I am very interested in what the future might look like um, for the church and how we can better reach Gen Z now. This is a generation that is supposed to be the least religious generation. So what does that look like for Christianity in America? Uh, My guest today has made it his mission to understand and to speak to Gen Zers. He is one himself. The Lord uses him uh, to speak to to this generation through his his social media platform. I'm grateful that he took the time to talk to me today. His name is Jacob Salguero, and here is the conversation. I hope you enjoy. You are recording this. You're in Spain, right? That's yeah. Awesome. yeah, I'm currently in Barcelona, Spain. I've been in Europe for about a month, almost two months now. Um, it's been an incredible time. We've been able to preach in the smallest towns of Italy, like the oldest town of Italy called Matera, Italy, where, fun fact, Wonder Woman, 007, and Passion of the Christ were all filmed. So that's oh, super wow. random. That's but. Awesome. That's where I got to preach. It was awesome. Got to preach on New Year's and then the day after. Um, preached in Paris, France, which is mind mind blowing. It was, was there's only two English speakers in the whole church. It was me and the translator. Okay, okay. It was like cra- crazy to think that my posts, you know, people would screenshot my post and like put it into Google Translate. Like that's mind blowing. But you know. That that is so. So you're preaching in English, right? And you have a translation in English, yeah. Okay. Translation to Spanish, I've done a lot because my last name is Salguero, but I was born in New York, and I grew up around New Yorkers. So um, I kind of like you know New Yorkian is like that joke where like you New York, you're Puerto Rican, but you don't really speak Spanish. You know, you have a lot of American culture. That's me. I'm that definition. (laughs) So I'm terrible in Spanish, but I get invited to a lot of Spanish world. You know. So I'm, I'm comfortable around translators, but bro, translating to French is a different animal. Yeah, like, I, I can't even imagine. Because Spanish is, it's, you can go word for word, and sometimes they go a little longer. But yeah. French, everything is shorter. So you'll say a long sentence, and they'll say like four words, and that's it. I think that's like, great, man. I think that that's helpful because, um, you know, we do we do Spanish a lot. So I'm I'm Mexican. Uh, I mean, I'm. Um, I'm from here, but um, my, my my dad's Mexican. Um, my Spanish is, I would say, it's about it's at about seventy percent of what it what it should be. Um, so I'm not really fluent, but I can get I can get by. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll use a translator. But man, it, it's tough preaching in English and then having a translator because a lot of what you say in Spanish it takes it takes a lot longer to say. And then you know when you're preaching, you wanna you wanna go, you wanna flow. So. Yeah. If French is like that, shorter, that, to me, that seems that seems great. Yeah, it, just, it threw me so off because I'm so used to preaching to Spanish. Yeah. And it's like, no, French, you're like, and I literally told once in the middle of the sermon, I was like, that's it. Like, are you, like, are you serious? <laughs> that's it, man. So it's been cool. Been traveling around, hanging around, but, you know, seeing the church out here is, is so it's very inspiring. Yeah. How, how is the church out there? Because I, I hear from a lot of people like, you know, Europeans are very very secular very anti-god you know yeah. you come down here to texas is completely 
different, I would imagine. How how is how's uh, your experience been? Yeah, there's not a lot of churches at all, and I think the scarcity also comes from how cities were built. So if you were come to you come to Europe, you would understand like you can't build. You know, yeah, I'm from Dallas. I live in Dallas right now. You can't build like a gateway sized church in Paris. Cause it's like impossible, like with the size, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we don't, under, and it's hard for us Americans to understand like how people go to church in America. You need a parking lot, you know, whatever you need, a park, whatever you need to play spaces for kids. There's like, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Right. Mm. So you have a building, it has to be walkable with a bus, stuff like that. So very few churches in Paris is more Muslims and Christians in Ireland. There's more atheists and Christians um, here in Spain, there's about 1% evangelical Christianity. So what, what blows my mind, though, which we could talk about it later, too, but, like, from Dallas specifically, is, like, there's so much pools of talent, preachers, young people like me who are just sitting every week doing nothing when there's, like, nations who need you, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. why I kept telling my guy that I was talking to, I was like, if you would have told 18-year-old me about this, I probably would have moved. Mm. like i would have moved already like because like the deep need for like people with gifting even a little bit of gifting but just a bunch of yes and these regions are huge so so people who are christian here are not like you know in america it's like i'm christian but yeah yeah roll tide and i love the cowboy right and yeah in europe it's like no like i'm christian and i get persecuted for it okay yeah it's crazy dude i actually preach and this is so mind blowing to me too. Like I preach in France and like there are women with hijabs like there for the first time. And like, that's crazy to me. Like preaching in front of Muslims uh-huh. is like in church. Like that was just the first time. Like they don't understand. Like that's such a dope thing that's going to happen in, in France, but Americans don't understand that, you know? Yeah. That's, that's gotta be a whole other level of kind of intimidating, you know, like if you're preaching in America, you, you, you have a bunch of non-believers, uh, non-believers come in week after week to your church, you kind of expect that, um, which is good. But, you know, uh, when you're preaching to a Muslim, which is, you know, which is, you know, Islam is such a radical religion, right? They're so, they're so committed. Um, it's like, I mean, Christianity is really the antithesis of, of, of what they believe. Right. Um, so being in the room with that, you know, not, not, not shying away from the truth of the word of God. Um, I imagine there's, there's gotta be a little bit of cognitive dissonance that, that happens like, oh man, what is, what is she thinking? Is she receiving this? Um, yeah. it's, it's, I didn't even realize it to the end of my sermon. It's like the end of my sermon and I look and I see her and I'm talking about like the church. I was preaching about the church and like how, like the power of the church as like the, uh, the synopsis of my sermon. Mm-hmm. And just looking at her, like, and I switched, like, when I saw her and I saw multi, I saw her seeing other people, I switched my ending to just straight gospel because I was like, yeah, there's no way, there's yeah. <laughs> no way they're not leaving here without hearing the gospel, you know? Yeah. Did you get to talk to her by any chance afterwards? No, like, I preached. I preached, and then it was a huge room. So, you know, I preached, and then people come up to you. And yeah. obviously, there's some people speak in French. So it's kind of like you can't, you won't even be able to speak to them, you know? Yeah. Well, um, you know, hopefully the, uh, the seed was planted, right? Definitely. Um, so awesome, man. So, um, last thing on this, then we'll kind of move on, but what time is it over there? I'm just curious. Right now it's about five o'clock. Okay. 5 PM. 
5 p.m. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not too bad. All right. Well, cool, man. Um, well, I, again, thank you for for coming on and taking time out of your your uh, vacation um, to to have this conversation, man. I'm I'm really interested in you know kind of what you're about. Um, I guess what what is what is some of your background? Have you always been saved? Was there a point yeah. where you received Jesus? Yeah. No. Yeah. So kind of grew up in church, kind of didn't. Um, I was in church most Sundays, but I wasn't like in a child home that was like cultivating Christianity. My mom was a single mother for a large portion of my of my childhood. My father was a drug addict. Um, my mom moved to Houston from New York and married uh, my stepdad, who was a Christian who was like in charge of large like outreach ministries and stuff. So I had an interesting background where I was like, I didn't grow up in church. I had a very chaotic home. And then I, my, I kind of went into a, a ministry home. It was weird. Uh, but um, not vocational ministry, but like he did a lot of homeless outreach and stuff like that. Okay. So I got saved though, radically at 16. Um, I was kind of towards the end of my life, trying to like, I was so tired of my life. Abandonment like filled my heart and my soul. Um, I got invited to a youth camp by my youth pastor. Uh, fourth night of that camp, and this 13-year-old kid, Gen Z, you know, prophesied to me that the reason why I hate my life and I'm doing drugs and I've been trying to be in gangs and trying to do these lifestyle choices that I were trying to do at the time, the reason why I was doing that was because I never had a father. Mind you, I never met this kid before in my life. Hmm. And he said, God told me to come up to tell you that he wants to be your father and he wants to um, live life with you, you know? And, you know, after that, my life was forever changed, you know? And I yeah. uh, started going to church, started living my life for Christ and fell in love with the local church. And that was it, man. And now I'm here with you, but uh, God radically changed my life. I got saved and then I fell in love with the church. Um, That's awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. You know, youth camps, I grew up in the church, man. Youth camps were always special because I, I do think they produced, I guess I have kind of like a love-hate relationship with them, um, because I think they they produced a lot of hype, right? Um, and I remember always being, you know, part of that youth group that we would come back fired up, right? And then after a week or two later, it's like, it kind of just dwindles a little bit. Um, and I think, I think we were coming out of a lot of uh, emotional high, right? Um, and so that's that's the one part that I'm like, okay, we have to be mindful of that, right? But the thing that I love about it is that people really do have those transformations, right? Um, people do have words spoken over to them. Uh, and I think I, I've received a, a lot of testimonies from young people just receiving their callings, right, at, at those at those type of events. And so um, it's so it's, it's so awesome, you know, to 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 be able to hear a testimony like that. Like you were at a youth camp, and that was that was the event that, that changed your life or helped to change your life. Right. And you're still in it. You're still in the church. Um, so praise, praise God for that, man. And, and, and now, bro, like, huh? sorry, and no, bro, like a lot of the people I knew who were Christian before me at this camp, they're not even following Christ now or in the church now, which is yeah. a whole nother conversation. But it is interesting that like, I feel like the people who grew up in church, but didn't really meet Jesus truly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just didn't stick around when it got hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, you know, kind of youth camps. It's not youth camp specific that 
um, that I have beef with. I think it's it's really a microcosm of what happens just in the church. You know, I'm yeah. a Pentecostal, um, so we have really fired up Pentecostal services. You know, um, and sometimes <clears throat> you you're a part of that, but nothing changes, right? And it's because the change has to happen from within your heart, right? Um, when when you're at home by yourself. And you don't have, you know, hundreds of other people praising God with you, you know, um, you have to be able to to have that solitude with with God. And I think that's really what changes a person. And so just being able to separate the the, the spirit from, you know, the the hype that we experience so um, at church, you know, um, yeah. and I, I think and I'm kind of getting to the main portion here because you are your your heart has always been for Gen Z. You um, have a mass, a, a pretty, pretty good, uh, following on, on social media. And how did, how did that start? Like, what was the, was there like a viral post or something that, that, that happened? How, how did that no, happen? not really. It's, it's interesting because I feel like you could look at my page and think that was ha what happened, which a lot of people that's happened to. Um, but mine happened organically through like a year's worth of posts. So I think in 2022, yeah, sorry. No, yeah, 2022, sorry. I had about 600 followers in the beginning of that year. And I just started making posts about Gen Z very sporadically. Um, and it went from like, you know, I had 20 likes to 50 likes to 100. Like very, it's been very slow growth until December of that year. I had about 10,000 followers and that's when it started blowing up more. But it wasn't like I had a one viral video, which a lot of social media people, you know, they get one viral video and they get all these followers. And you notice that their posts just start getting a little bit of likes and no one's really, they're not getting invited nowhere. Things are not happening for them because it was viability that got them, but not connection. And for me, I think my posts were just very connecting to people mm. that it was real people that were sharing my stuff. It was real. Like it wasn't like I, I caught you with a catch me, you know. Catch yeah. me gimmick. It was just yeah. my heart on a on a square pose that connected to somebody else's heart. Okay. So I think that's how it happened. And now we're at almost forty five thousand. Yeah, yeah. But it started, uh, bro. I was a youth pastor, bro. Okay. And God told me to put down the microphone and pick up a computer mouse and go back to being a graphic designer. And I didn't know why. I just felt like, okay, God, whatever. Quit my youth pastor job in the week after work at a dentistry and making graphics. And I was just obeying God. And from that place, I was just praying and studying and learning and hearing God's voice and started making posts on social media. And next thing you know, you know, God did the rest, but. Yeah. Well, you're, I mean, your content is, is great. It's on, it's on point. Um, I love going to your page and seeing what you have. Um, and I want to talk about some of, some of your quotes, um, some of the things that you're kind of noticing about Gen Z here in a bit, but I do want to kind of go back and, and um, connect, I guess, our previous conversation to what you just said, because you said it wasn't just viral, virability um, that, you know, that got you all of these, all, all of these connections, right? It was genuine connections that got you these connections. Right. And I think um, I think that's something that we have to learn to just as a church, just as leaders. I'm a pastor. You know, a lot of times it's about making the great event, the good conference, the good seminar, the good service. Right. The good youth camp, whatever it is. And people 
that 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 touches people's hearts, right? But then when they come back, because there's not connection, there's not that follow up. That's when people start to leave, right? And so, kind of what I was I was saying, I think you have to have that personal connection with Jesus and the church, not just have a good one one off good service. Um, and so, I think that kind of connects to what what you're saying here about you know virability. I think sometimes people, or even like you know that that one hit wonders, you know, sometimes an artist will produce something and and it goes viral, um, but because there's no follow up after that. Um, they just start to lose people. And so you have found yeah. a way to really connect with the hearts of this next generation, which, you know, I've I've always heard that the next generation is is getting further away from God. Um, and that's just what I hear. Right. I haven't I haven't done studies or anything like that. Um but that's what I hear. They're leaving the church. They're not interested in church. They're not interested in productions. That was kind of like the millennial stuff. Like I'm a millennial. You know, we were really, you know, we we put a lot of emphasis on on kind of the production of of church services. And I think a little bit of that is okay. But like I think sometimes we kind of went too far. You know, um, so what's what's the difference there between the the millennials and the Gen Z? What are they kind of? Well, first of all, is that accurate? Are, are Gen Z's leaving the church? Oh yeah, for sure. I wouldn't even say leaving. I would say they never were there because I feel like leaving is like okay, you grew up and you chose church and then you left, right? That's millennials. Millennials left church because they were arguing about red color lights on the stage. You know, <laughs> like. Millennials left church. I always say millennials left church because it wasn't relevant to them. But I think Gen Z doesn't even want to be a part of church because it's not real to them. Mm. So the, the dynamic is like millennials fought for the church to be relevant while Gen Z is fighting for the church to be real and authentic oh, again. Good. So we went over we, as, as Christians, we over, I mean, Christians, Amer uh, people in general, we overcorrect, right? And like, as, as the church was like, we're going to reach millennials. We're going to reach millennials. So let's throw our pastor in skinny jeans, a Gucci, you know, sweatshirt and make, make him like look dope, you know? And like, that was cool. And then now Gen Z is like, that's corny, you know? And then, you know, millennials like, we're going to make sure our production's on point and it's crazy. And then Gen Z is like, oh, we're all about organic content. <laughs> mm. Like, it's like, it's so great. Millennials like, when you make higher productions, it seems to be super crisp, high quality. Gen Z's like, we're into blurry photos now. We're into <laughs> 90s film aesthetic, right? Yeah. So even in culture, you see it in culture, right? Like millennials were fighting for such a sick um, hipster lifestyle. Gen Z's very like, we're going to be gothic and emo and like, that's our vibe. And it's like, oh, we fought our whole life against that. And now everyone's for it, right? So in the same way, culture is like Gen, Gen Z's doing the opposite, like, for example, in, in the world right now, you know, um, millennials were really like into um, minimal, clean aesthetic, you know, um, fear of God, whites, blacks, clean lines. Gen Z is all about maximum, like color and lines and like they want so much stuff in their room. So it's like interesting that counterbalance, how we tend to overcorrect in the church is the same way, bro. But the difference is like most of Gen Z didn't grow up in church. That's just statistically true. And statistically true, majority of them are not Christian. So like in past generations, there was majority Christians to non-Christians or to like other religions. Mm -hmm. In this generation, it's mostly irreligious, meaning like most Gen Z just don't have religion. They're not atheists, but they just don't have religion. 
And what we've seen also is that atheism has doubled within a generation. So from 6% to 13% and LGBTQ plus has jumped double in a generation as well. So what we're seeing in like all throughout culture is this overcorrection and not just in like um, culture and art and music, but even in like in our heart and our minds, like people are going extra hard on atheism, extra mm. hard on different agendas, overcorrecting where the last generation is kind of lax on it. So I think it's interesting, but I think like we're kind of trying to speak to a generation in, in a churchy language that even millennials still didn't understand, you know? And Gen Z just doesn't understand hallelujah. They don't understand amen, glory to God. They don't under, you know, like these simple terms like church language, uh, yeah. give God a shout of praise. That's not something that is going to be common to my generation to understand. Like we're going to have to explain worship to them and these right. simple things that we think everyone knows. No one knows, you know, and I always make the joke about like um, there's like a meme that, of course, me, Gen Z, bringing up memes. But like there's like a meme that says, um, I went to your hood and nobody knew you. And I always use that meme for the church and pastors. So I'm like, pastor, you like they don't know you. They don't know who you are. They don't know anything about like they don't know anything your name. They don't know that you're famous on social media. Like my generation doesn't know who a popular pastor is. They don't care about that. What they care about is just the people around them in their neighborhood who are local and the brands are local and the companies and stuff. And I think that's kind of where we need to lean in as a church. But yeah, to answer, I mean, it's a long answer to your question, yeah, yeah. but like, really, it's like Gen Z's not leaving the church. They just never were there because their parents didn't grow up their kids in right. church, really. Right. Right. And as kids become younger, we have the internet. I grew up with the iPad and iPod in my hand. I had more access to information than past generations had to. So I could kind of look up my thoughts on Google instead of trust what my parents said. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, I guess the the churches who are looking to capture this this demographic, um, they can't do it with production. They can't do it with big events, right? Come and see type of events. Um, I think that was that was the stuff that kind of got my generation in the door. Oh, we're gonna have this big concert. We're gonna have this big event. We're gonna have food. We're gonna have all of this stuff come and see it. Right. And so it's like, okay, all of this stuff brings us there. And then we hear the message of, of the gospel. Um, but it seems that you're saying like, none of that is really attractive to, to people anyway. Right. Or to, to, to Gen Z or specifically, like you're not going to get them in the door with, you know, a production or anything like that. So obviously there is, there is um, this longing uh, for the church to bring in, Everybody, it doesn't matter if they're Gen Z or not, right? We want to bring in people to hear the message of, of the gospel. So how, I guess, what is the effective way to do that to a generation of of, of young people today? Yeah, and, and I would just kind of counter what you're saying too. Like, it does matter too about like reaching Gen Z because your older people are dying, right? We see a lot of churches, to, like even the pastor, like I don't know if you've seen the stat about it, but like, that the, the average age of a pastor is like 60 years old or something right now, which you're obviously an anomaly to that. But like, you're not the majority, which is kind of scary, you know? Yeah. But like a lot of young people don't want to go into ministry. One, because they understand it now. Two, like there's not a lot of, uh, more Christians as there were in the past. You know what I'm saying? There's not mm-hmm. a bigger 
crop to grab people from. Yeah. But that's one issue that we don't even have a company. That's a whole nother podcast, right? Because it's like, if we don't have young people pastoring in the next 20 years, what's going to happen with the church? You know, like it's going to look, it's going to look very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah I agree. I, I mean, I think I, I see that all the time. Yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, I am, I am, I'm 34. I started pastoring, I guess, um, not lead pastoring, but I started pastoral ministry when I was like 27, 28. So I was, I was, I was pretty young. Um, but I did notice that there's a lot of churches that don't know how to make room for the next generation. And so when their generation dies out, there's no, there's nobody else to take over. And so those, those churches end up closing. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's a real disservice to the church. Right. Um, so I, I think that we always need to be mindful of, you know, really investing into that next generation with what you have right at your church. We have a great group of, of, of young people at our church, but also like, what is that tactic to bring in the unchurched Gen Zers? You know what I mean? Yeah. And the other thing about like, before I enter is like Judeo Christianity is based on generational to generational. Like the whole basis of our faith is on generations. Like it has to be passed down to the next. And if we're not doing that, it's just like really bad for the church, you know? And I think the goal shouldn't be getting more non-Gen Zers into your church. The goal should be more non-Gen Zers becoming Christian, right? right? And I think the big issue is that we don't have enough believers acting as believers and ministers in their day-to-day life, right? Like a lot, a lot more people are around Gen Zers at their work than they will be at church. You get what I'm saying by that? And I think like the thing we are, the thing we've done in the past, like let's get them into church and then we'll teach them the gospel and call it a day. But the issue is that we need to start ministering people outside because right now going to church costed, cost my generation something, you know, like in the past you go to church because it was culturally relevant, like normal to go to church. Things were shut down on Sunday. Life was normal. You could go on church on Sunday, right? We'll go to church on Sunday and watch your football. Now, my generation, you go to church, people look at you weird. Like, why are you going to church? Like, aren't they, like, anti-gay? Like, don't they hate people? Right? But it's like a cost now to go to church, right? And I think, like, for us, like, my generation is going to be more about us reaching them in the spaces that they're in, believers reaching them where they're at, being, and then from there going to the church and starting that relationship rather than Okay, how do we get them into our building? Because like that that conversation has to that's a whole different conversation. But I think that's not the right approach. The right approach is how do we equip our people who are around more Gen Zers than they think to mm-hmm. go reach their their people for Christ in their actual workplace, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in Houston, where we have refineries full of Gen Zers. I worked in pulling uh, fiber cable. I was around nothing but Gen Zers, right? Like. There's there's so many Gen Zs in our world that we don't know about in our workplaces. And I think you work as a realtor, even Gen Zers buying real estate, you know, like there's so many different like young people in our world that if we become more conscious and aware and intentional on preaching the gospel to those people and equipping our churches to preach the gospel to those people, then we'll start seeing them come into our building because they already have relationship with the people in the building rather than this, you know, bait and switch where like, Come to our church, you know, we love young people and we are we're gonna preach the gospel to you. Rather, they already have relationship equity with the church, with the people. So you don't have to convince them to come. They're already convinced by the relationship. 
You get what I'm saying by that? Yeah. So you're saying you're saying um, before you even present um, anything related to church, anything related to gospel, have a real relationship with these people, right? So that you're building equity, you're building you're building trust with them, and. There's there's a quote and I might I might butcher it, but um, and I don't remember who said it, but it's um, people don't care how much, you know, they they want to know how much you care. care. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think for Gen Zers, that's especially true um, because I think that they can see past the uh, the the charlatans and they can kind of see past the fakeness. Right. They want real relationships with people. Um, I guess is like. I was going to say, I guess people like us, let's say uh, millennials, how do you have real relationships with people that are, you know, 10, 15, 20 years younger than we are? You know, like, can you give me a practical example of of how that would look? I wanted to add, like, you don't have to be quiet about the gospel or um, church because I'm Gen Z. And actually, a lot of conversations that I started, like when I used to work, I used to work construction and I used to work with a bunch of Gen Zers and a lot, a couple of them came to Christ because I talked about church and they were just like combative against it. You know, I didn't invite them to my church service. You know, I didn't, they actually never showed up to my church. They went to a different church and got baptized at a whole different church. But like I, I had, a, I was open about my faith and like really open about my convictions. And that's what cur- kind of carried uh, curiosity in them to hear the gospel for the first time. You know, so like it's not a unique the gospel. If you have the gospel in the church, that's going to create attention that will create attention. You know what I mean? Like it's going to create attention in them to kind of ask more. So I think that's cool to, you know, be gospel driven. Talk about your church, but just don't be like a, a walking. No, don't, don't, I guess don't preach. Don't, don't, don't be a don't. walking like brochure, you know? Right, like, right, right. Hey, Wednesday 9 a.m. You want to come? Like, don't, that's not the energy. The energy is I'm invested in you. And as we become to have conversations, then you start noticing there's something different about me. Same thing with millennials. My mentor is 10 years older than me. And me and him never had a like a relationship based off of like him and I having a bunch of fun. It was me really seeking wisdom in what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And I think for millennials, what Gen Z is looking for right now is a bunch of mentors. Like they're paying people to teach them about skills. They're paying people to teach them about how to build a business, how to build social media. Like this is the perfect place where like, if you have an expertise in something, give it away for free. That's how you're going to start building relationships with young people. Oh, you want to learn about real estate? All right. I'll give you 20 minutes a week. Watch how that builds relationship equity. Oh, you want to learn guitar? Oh yeah, sure. I can I, I teach you some lessons. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like the things that you have right now in front of you, if you use that as a given and give it away to young people, watch how they buy into you. You know, yeah. Well, let, 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 me, let me ask other people they can do that. Let me ask you this, um, because there is a there is this. Um, I, I don't I don't know if it's a misconception. There's this idea, there's this image of Gen Zers being very, um, I, I wouldn't say antisocial, but completely different. Like. They're cool with being at home, you know, playing video games. So they're not going out as much as, say, my generation, right? And so there's this kind of like um, this 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 image in in older people's minds that man, Gen Z, they they don't know how to leave the house. They don't know how to get out of the house. They, they don't know how to interact with people, right? Um, I, what what would you say to that? It's true. Um, the number one thing is that we are at home people. 
And the beauty of us being at home is that we have digital spaces now and we can text and we can call and we can FaceTime, you know, um, with my mentor, I haven't like sat face to face with him for months, but we'll FaceTime, we'll text, we'll voice chat. And those words change my life still. Um, especially with a lot of guys who are in my life, who I mentor, I've been in a whole nother continent and somehow I got to still speak into them. Why? Not because of them, really, it's because of me. I'm choosing to be intentional. I'm choosing to still send the text and send them podcasts and send them YouTube. And I think the issue is that millennials and older guys, because they don't see the response they want, they think it's not connecting. Mm. And that's the issue. And I think my generation could be better at communicating. Oh, this is helping me. You know, I'm not saying Gen Z is perfect and we're no. Like we should be able to communicate better and be like, hey, this is how it touched me. This is how it helped me. But I think a lot of older guys need to realize this generation doesn't know how to communicate like that back to you. And for me, it's like, I'll send my guys podcasts, YouTube videos. And there's a stretch of time where I stopped doing that. And then he texts one of my, one of my guys texts me like, Hey, what happened to all the podcasts? And I was like, I thought you didn't want them because I kept sending them and no one responded. No one knows how to text back. Like Gen Z doesn't know how to text back. <laughs> and he's like, no, those things were changing my life. Well, bro, you should have told me I wouldn't have kept it. But I think it is something about millennials and older generation Christians that need to understand, will you be obedient without the reward? And I think for me, with Gen Z, I realize I am choosing to be obedient to suffer, to suffer, to keep serving them, to keep preaching, to keep investing and mentoring them, even if I don't see the reward. Hmm. You know, and I think that's really with older guys you got to realize like, hey, they may never tell you thank you, but their children are going to tell you thank you through their life. And you may never see the reward of your mentorship, your leadership, but because you were intentional, you kept pushing, you kept kept going, it will eventually come through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the, the church looks like in the next, I say, 20 years um, when Gen Z is kind of running, running everything? Yeah, I get asked that a ton. I think it's going to be a lot smaller um, because we are not um, being mentored by the, the legends. And like the guys who are running the bigger churches, oh, I, go, I would say like bigger churches, like I would say 500 and above, right? Those guys don't have a lot of Gen Zers on their roster, like really running behind them to learn how to take that on. Also, Gen Z really loves money. And I think ministry there's very few people who make a lot of money in ministry so i think there's those two two tensions and i think um as my generation gets older they want to be with their family more and i think that's going to be something that's huge like family dynamics is going to be huge for my generation and i think for us leading a huge ministry that's going to be a real struggle so i think that there's a lot of things there like we'll i don't have a guy in my life or a lot of you guys my age don't have a guy in their life who's running a big ministry. So the only thing we're going to know is just intentional ministry. So I see a lot of small churches of, you know, 200, 300 people, maybe 200 people just in neighborhoods all over. And I actually see a lot more unity in my generation and past because we're not going to understand the depth of denominational backgrounds. Like you started the show and said, I'm Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. I, I can give you 25 Gen Zers who actually go to church every Sunday and don't know what that means. Yeah. But so, like, I mean, 
Yeah, but to to counter that, I I think that is true of any unbeliever who hasn't been churched, you know? Yeah, anyone. Um, Yeah. But even Gen Zers who are in church don't even understand what that means. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that has to do with, you know, just, I guess, simple education. Like I've been in church all my life. I don't think the reason I know that is because I was taught it. Honestly, I just think it was like ingrained in me. I was dedicated by my grandfather in my church, you know, like I slept under the benches like that was me. Um, and you know, a lot of times when I'm, when I'm preaching, even with like, for example, when we're doing like communion, I have to understand like there's people in the room who are visiting for the first time. They don't know what we're doing. What, what is this that we're drinking? And so like, you have to explain that. And I think, I think mindfulness of that is really important. Um, I think that, I I think that millennials, younger millennials are kind of mindful of that, or at least they try to be, you know, they try to be intentionally mindful of that. Um, because yeah, I mean, you said it earlier, like that churchy language. A lot of times we don't, we don't realize that even if I say the word Gentiles when I'm preaching, some people are like, what, what is a Gentile? You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, and that, that just, I mean, you have, you have to be intentional with your education and your discipleship and all that stuff so that people understand that. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. And, and that's something that we have to constantly be mindful of. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think I, I agree with you, man. I think that, you know, Gen Zers, like the, the, the kids that are in our church, they're very, I mean, I was in youth group, right? We were always very like, we, we were tight knit, but I, I think that they really are into like just real stuff, man. They just want to be real. They're not into the productions. They're not, they're just, they just want, they just want a, a, a real dynamic to be a part of. Um, and so I, I, I see that, I see that um, coming. I see a really big thing right now with house churches. Um, like house churches are kind of, they're ex- exploding. And I think that might be something that Gen Zers might, might really like because it yeah. is more intimate. Um, there's not so much you got to worry about. It's just like, hey, come fellowship, you know, community and, and get fed with the with the gospel. Yeah, I just met a guy. I know a guy. He's a buddy of mine. He's 21, has about 200,000 on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and he raised like $17,000 in four days to just do ministry the whole like four or six months in the U.S. And whatever that, that means is like having little house churches and like just doing street ministry. Right. And I'm like, some churches would kill for like $17,000. Right. Yeah. And this guy just did it in three months. You know what I mean? And I think like what's like a lot of these Gen Zers, they don't even know how much power they have in the sense of like the fact that you're getting 17 grand in three months is insane. You know? Um, yeah, like just donations on top of your job just to preach the gospel is super insane to me. And the reach that people have, like I know guys who are on social media right now who are reaching million, a million and a half of people a week, you know, and the church can't even reach their neighbors. And, you know, <laughs> like I think a lot of these young guys don't understand like the power they have too. And that's the only thing that's kind of like, a, like I love the house church model too, but the only fear I have in that is like, these guys don't understand. We need to be submitted to, I think, but I think these guys don't understand how much power they actually have, like influence they have because they're just doing them, you know? Yeah. Let let me ask you this. Let me ask you, let me ask you about maybe some of the negatives Um, because I can get in a room with another millennial and, you know, 
the, the older generation is always like, oh, this next generation coming up, they're going to have all these issues. Right. Um, but then when you actually talk to someone from that generation, it's it's you know, it's, it's a good perspective. But let's talk about, I guess, some of the uh, potential negatives of, of of Gen Z. So I, I think it, it might have been you that I saw this from. Um, but Gen Z is really the generation of of shorts, of reels, of five second clips. You know what I mean? That's kind of how they're getting their content. A lot of that is, you know, educating them, which I think could have some good. And I think it can have some, some bad because yeah. um, I guess I'll, I'll ask you this question, like um, podcasts that are hour long, right. Or, or more. And you have, you know, Joe Rogan's podcast is a three hour plus long podcast. Is that something that's going to be attracted to, are attractive to um, Gen Zers like like it is, like it is us, or maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's too soon to tell. I don't know what do the, you think. Uh, attention span of Gen Z is seven seconds long, um, as of right now. That's what that's what like the number is. So I've seen a lot of Gen Z Gen Zers watch podcasts. They love podcasts, but I think what we I notice what I do is I'll have it playing while playing video games or while working or like. I think that's what a lot of people in my generation do is like they have the podcast running while doing something else, right? Like okay. while act, their mind's active doing something else. So I think those things still work. Like I'll listen to one pod, an hour podcast, but it'll take me like 10 days. because so I'm watching it like at 10 minutes time. Um, but I think the negative part of my generation is that it's like the low attention span. Also, I think we really are entitled. I think we're the most entitled generation. I could say that was a lot of it even more entitled than millennials because we get got a lot of success younger compared to millennials. Um, we, we got a lot more followers, a lot more money faster. And there's like a Bible verse that says like inheritance gain quickly, you know, can come to ruin. And I think that happened. When I, I, we're not there yet, but I want to give us five more years and see where a lot of our generation's at. Um, especially if social media dies down or something like that. Like we really are dependent on validation from our success. And I can say that for myself because I feel like there was a space in my time in my life where I was like, well, I got all these followers. I'm making more money than everyone in my world, every one of my mentors in my world. Like, why should I listen to that? You know, you get into that mindset. You have to go back into submitting under God and submitting under your leaders. But I think that's like a legitimate thing with a lot of unchristian, you know, believers like, they're getting real world success, numbers, money, like people noticing them at a really young age without like the possibility of understanding how healthy or unhealthy that is. So I'm very afraid of like my generation in the next five, six years that say all that dies off. I'm afraid what that looks like. And then yeah. the younger generation, the guys younger than me, they're struggling with the feeling of not being enough because they're not who I am right now. You know, you know, who like the, the famous people like Logan Paul, all these famous people, they want to be them already and they don't understand the whole grind behind it either. So my generation is in that tension where it's like we really they're really craving success in every area and they want to make an impact for the world. That's something that's actually important to my generation. But the issue is that we want it now. And yeah. what we know about life and we know about God and we know about history is that there's got to be a grind before this, before you reach the goal. You know, there's got to be a tension and a building before you actually do what you're supposed to do. And some people it's 33 years and some people it's three, you know? And yeah. 
I think yeah. a lot of my generation struggles with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's um, really in tune with kind of the times as well. You know, everything is everything is quick, everything's fast. Um, you see, you can see a, a video go viral in a matter of days, you know? And so people see that and they're like, okay, well, if it can happen to them, I want it for myself. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can, I can see that. I mean, obviously I, I think millennials as well, were very, um, you know, we, we wanted, we wanted success. I mean, I, I don't know who doesn't, right. I mean, I think a lot of people that's, that's what they want. Um, but I guess that difference is like, okay, we're, we know that it takes time. Right. And we can look at the generation before us, you know, I can look at uh, boomers and be like, okay, you know, it took, it took this guy 30 years to get here. And so, yeah, in my generation, things were quicker, but I realized that things also take time. Um, now in this even more fast paced generation, I think that's, that's, uh, I guess it could, it can make us a little bit um, more impatient. I say us like yeah. I'm Gen Z. Um, but I think kind of going back to a previous um, question. So like in service, because you said the, the attention span is like seven seconds, right? What does that do? What do you think that does to the future of preaching? Um, because sermons question. are 40, 50 minute long, you know, sermons. And um, I, I, there was a time where millennials were like, hey, man, we need to bring those hour long sermons down to about 35 minutes. Right. And then now. I'm older, you know, I'm still millennial, right? But I'm, I'm 34 years old and I'm seeing kind of like this, um, like people want more, like at least I'll speak for myself. We want more, like we don't want it to be so, so structured in time. Like let's, Hey, if you, if you, if the spirit is leading you for an hour, let's, let's do an hour. Give me something good. Right. I don't want you just to be rambling for an hour. Right. right. Um, because obviously I value, I value my time as well. If you're just talking for an hour about, the same stuff over and over. Um, so what is that, what does that uh, look like for, for Gen Z? Yeah, I think that's, that's a tension I'm working out currently in my own preaching because I'm preaching to what I would want to listen to as a Gen Z -er sure. when I was like 16, you know? Okay. And what I feel like now I listen to a lot of preachers um, because I started being a, you know, I feel like once you become a, Christ, a Christian at a young age, you become like a preaching guru. He's like, listen to a bunch of preachers. You, for me, I immediately hopped onto YouTube and just watched preachers because like I got interested about the word of God. Um, but I think a lot of my generation, I think teaching is going to be what's up next. Okay. Teaching. More than preaching. I think teaching. Teaching because... When and if you think about, I think about when I first met Jesus, my hunger wasn't for good preaching. My hunger was to learn more. Mm. And for a generation that's going to grow up with no church, no Christian background, no doctrine, no theology, no nothing, they're going to start at zero. Yeah. So their hunger <laughs> is going to be like Acts two. I always say Gen Z is the early church generation. Acts two, I think, is going to be just like that, yeah. where they hang out daily. And they're going to be reading the apostles teaching and breaking bread. I think the apostles teaching the epistles are such a perfect format for the next 20 years of what preaching should look like, where it's like, here's what your life looks like. Here's what your culture looks like. Here's what Jesus says about it. And I think in teaching, here's what looking like a Christian looks like and behaving and, and what your fruit should look like. And I think that's going to be so dope. Stories are cool. All that. Like, high intense preaching and dope illustrations that's all cool and dandy but i'm i'm telling you dude 
I'm telling you, oh, bro, I, random story. I went and preached at a church in Montgomery, Texas. Mm-hmm. And I preached like a, I would say a classic like sermon that you would see where it's like built off a story, a story illustration and, you know, a scripture and then point, you know, simple like that. And um, I preached it. I didn't really feel comfortable. People got saved, got to the same. Thank God, you know. But I was trying to work on my art of preaching, you know. Yeah. And I brought two of my guys who I were mentoring, and they're like, "Bro, that wasn't you." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "I I'm with you almost every morning at Bible study, and I've seen you break down the scriptures, and that was and when you break down the scriptures, I learned more than you did in this sermon." And those guys are 20 years old, right? And I was like, "Dude, like." That's the truth. Like when I break down, when I was in the 6 a.m. Bible studies with these 20 year olds, they love that more than they loved the best sermon you ever heard. And I think there's something about that hunger that my generation likes where they're just breaking down the Bible, learning about the Bible, learning about scripture because they're hungry for that because they don't know about it. Yeah. Um, they can hear a million stories on podcasts, but there's a special gift with the church where they can break down the words of God oh, yeah. and explain it to man. You know? Oh, I mean, and that's that's such an art. I mean, the expository preaching. I mean, I think that's that needs. Uh, we need to see that more in our in our churches. Um, and you said something, man, that is um, really interesting, and it kind of validates a a uh, a theory that I that I have. Um, and so let, let me know what you think about it. But you said that this generation is really acts two, right? Um, so a first generation of the church, which is great also comes with danger, right? Because what was prolific in that first uh, generation was just a bunch of false teaching, right? Um, And so people, I mean, Paul was having to write these letters because they were being exposed to these false teachings. Um, And so in a generation where, I mean, this, there's, there's no, um, you can't get enough content, right? Like it's, it's everywhere, right? Uh, information is everywhere. You can get, you can learn something. Um, you can learn anything that you want really. Right. And so, um, in this generation where you have a bunch of people on YouTube, a bunch of people on Instagram, a bunch of people that are preaching and teaching, some of them don't really know what they're teaching. Right. But for somebody who doesn't really know any better, they're kind of consuming this content. Um, and they're not, maybe they're not going to their to their local church, to their pastors and kind of asking, Hey, is this, is this, is this right? You know what I mean? Um, and so you, you could possibly get a generation um, just really receiving a bunch of false content. We'll call it content. This uh, just this is more relevant, right? But really false gospel, false doctrine. So what do you, what do you think about that? Is that like a, is that a um, something that worries you? Yeah. I think YouTubers become the new pastors. Um, yeah. That's scary. And but there's passion with false theology in local church. Oh yeah, I mean, it's like, but then there's like this scary thing where like the local church pastor has gotten away with past generations that took them at their word with no check at all. Sure. And this generation hears your sermon, then goes looks up on YouTube, and I love that they look up for themselves. There's that tension too, where it's like you can't be lazy and preaching anymore, boomer, you know, like you gotta pre you gotta go back to that deep study you had when you were younger. Cause my generation is looking it up. Um, so I think it's cool. I think to tolerate, I don't think, I think very right now, like my generation, 
really doesn't tolerate false theology, like a completely false, like bad theology. I think they don't tolerate that. But how would they? How would they know any better if they don't? They look it up on YouTube. <laughs> but <laughs> it's because, like, it's interesting because, like, there's just like a general consensus on bad theology. Like, prosperity gospel is dead in my generation. Dead, dead. Um, and then when my generation started praying to crystals, all the Gen Z Christians were like, "Nah!" Like, they immediately, you know. So I think there's like this because we have access to information and older commentaries. And because there is great genuine pastors who are producing good content, who are senior pastors full time, I think there has been a good balance. Because there is false teachings out there, but there is more counterbalance to that. Like, mm-hmm. I remember watching a video sermon clip and I'm like, this is interesting. I go to the comments and it's a bunch of Gen Zers are like, this is not it. I Googled that first. That's not what it means. And then everyone's talking in the comments and confirming. And I'm like, that's interesting. Like, so like it's just a weird dynamic where in the past you would go to the pastor, you would go to your Bible and study it for yourself. And now what you do is go on YouTube, go to some commentaries, go on Google, and then you figure it out. Are they both? Is one wrong, one's not wrong, you know? So I think that's where I grew up. I'll tell you how I grew up going on Google and going on YouTube and watching a bunch of videos and getting different opinions and then making a decision. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's healthy. I think um I mean, as long as you're going to multiple sources, right? You're not, th- th- there's not one source of all of your. And that's what I'm saying about Gen Z. They don't, they don't have like, okay, I'll say just a random name, like Kenneth Copeland. Like some people like Kenneth Copeland, that's all they listen to, you know? Or like T.D. Jakes, that's all they listen to. Like, you know, people like that. Like, sure. I only listen to one pastor. My generation doesn't have that. They don't have loyalty to one person. So yeah. I think it's interesting. Like they don't have a loyalty to like one preacher. They just. I remember when a famous preacher preached like a message or had to do like an Easter message and my generation canceled him, canceled him because of his Easter message. Right. And I'm like, that's interesting because like the same people we're trying to reach, they're canceling you because they can see through what's going on, you know? So I think, I think it's interesting what Gen Z's like Gen Z's in that weird thing where like they, they don't, have, I, I haven't seen a lot of Gen Z's are like, are running to Mormonism. Like, that's not something that's happening. Or like, I'm running to be a Jehovah Witness. That's not happening. Because like, they can see, they can Google and like, see all the false things that are happening. You know what I'm saying? You see them coming to Christianity, becoming radical about it. So it's interesting. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. Um, I mean, as long as they're, they're doing it, I mean, and and this is for anybody, right? Um, As long as you're doing it right. I, I do think, I do agree that before it was like, hey, pastor says it. You don't question it. Right. Pastor is the man of God. And and that's not and I've always been like, no, like if I say if I say something that's kind of questionable, hey, ask, ask other people about it. Ask me about it. Ask me, hey, what, what did you mean about that comment that you said? Um, I think that's that's always been healthy. Right. You, I mean, not one person can be the source of your doctrine, your theology. Um, I remember this lady. Uh, she came she came to our church and she had a son and um, she was telling me like, my son is asking these questions like, um, you know, how can I how can I trust the Bible? And I and I silenced him. And I was like, you're not supposed to ask those questions. And I was like, no, that's good that he's at. If he has those questions, let him ask those questions, because if he doesn't get them answered, he's, he's going to walk away thinking like yeah. no one even gave me the time to that's explain right. these things to me. Um, yeah. So I was like, hey, if you have I, I had those questions, you know, and what do those questions do? They lead to answers. They lead, I mean, maybe they don't always lead to answers, but they lead to, to more knowledge about um, what you're asking about. So I think that's I think that's good. Um, yeah. I mean, on, on the one hand, yeah, you can 
you can get a bunch of false doctrine from a bunch of videos, but at the same time, you can get good content from. And so yeah. I, I think it's just a matter of separating the good from the bad and that discernment. Um, but, and you said something earlier about mentorship. I think it's really, really important. I need a mentor. I think everybody needs a mentor. I think every pastor needs a pastor. We cannot, you know, we, we can't go through this life with, with that mentality that like I've arrived. I, I know everything. Yeah. I can't learn anymore. You can't teach me anything. Like, I think that's a, um, that's the opposite of, of, of humility, right? That's arrogance. That's pride. And I think that we always need to be um, able to receive um, sound teaching and all that stuff. So I think a combination of that, I think there's hope. <laughs> I think there's yeah. hope for, for think, my like, daughter's generation. I think my generation does struggle with listening and, and, and being submitted for sure. But millennials did too. So yeah, it's like, but, but it's like, that's like, Y'all, it's interesting too. I think millennials, and this is going to be so crazy I'm saying this, but I do think millennials need to grow up a little bit and realize like we're looking up to you now. You know, and I think like the pastors I looked up to when they were 30, they were making lifestyle choices. I feel like now as an older person, I'm like, I don't know if you should have done that as a pastor. And some of those guys, like one crazy, three of the guys I looked up to as pastors, like as not as my own pastor, but people I wanted to be like, were millennials like they fell like in moral failures you know yeah and when they were and they were making lifestyle decisions that were like that's interesting but i think we really have to grow up all of it like millennials really have to grow up faster in a sense and be like hey like there's young guys who really need you like i'm 25 i have a social media platform god use me whatever and i desperately need more 35 year olds to show me how it's done you know because i there's not a lot there's not a lot of 35 year olds who are like sold out for Christ with a full family and serious about the church. There's not a lot in their in their generation as well. So I, I want more guys that are more vocal about their about their family, their church, their lifestyle, so that my generation can find more people, more mentors in that in that capacity. You know, so I think it's both, right? Like my generation needs to be more submitted, but hey, we need some more guys, like more millennial guys, to pick up their role. You're not. I know they, they they look down on you at church for, you know, 15 years, but we need you now, man. We need you to stand up and put some guys under your arm and run with us, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I think, I think too, like that is, I think that's a man problem, you know? For sure. Um, not, not even just like a generation problem. I think that's a, that's a guy problem. Like, man, I've been trying to, we've been trying to get like some mentorship for a, a partner school that we have at our church. Um, trying to get a group of guys. Hey, um, let's get about, you know, six to 10 guys to go and, and mentor, you know, some, some younger men. And sometimes that's like pulling teeth, you know, the women are all for it, you know? Um, but I think, yeah, I think men are just, I don't know. That's, that's a different podcast, I guess. We'll have <laughs> uh, but, uh, man, I want to, I want to get to some, some clips. I put, I pulled some, some content from your page and I want you to kind of expound on it a little bit more. Um, and I, I mean, I could have, I could have probably been there all day pulling, pulling some stuff up there, um, from there. But one thing, one of these posts that I saw, um, it was, I guess like a refuse, I refuse to do this. I, I don't, I don't know if this was going into the new year or something like that. Um, but I want to, I want to talk about some of these. So you said, uh, I refuse to talk. Uh, I, I refuse to only talk to saints on stages, but never talk to sinners on streets. Wow. So what do you, 
Um, can you go into that a little bit, a little bit yeah, more? Yeah, for sure. I feel like I've been around a lot of, um, in the last year, around a lot of Christian leaders. And I feel like we could get really good at like talking to Christians and then really poor at talking to non-Christians. Hmm. And you can build, in America, you can build a career talking to Christians. You can become a millionaire talking to Christians. Oh, yeah. Um, you I mean, can that's, personal, that's what this is. <laughs> yeah. That's what this you is. You can make yeah. a personal brand talking to Christians, but never talking to people every day, which is very hypocritical to me. And Doug Stringer has a book in his book called Mending the Net. Mm-hmm. And he talks about an analogy of like, this guy was an expert fisherman and he caught fish and he was at his lake catching fish. And then other fishermen noticed him and started inviting him to the fish conferences to speak. And next, thing you know, he's going to all these fish conferences, but he hasn't fished in over five years. Wow. That's good. And I yeah. think that's that same thing with this. It's like, we get so good at Christian Christianity. We become experts of Christianity and we forget to be Christ. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, I love Doug, man. He's a man. Yeah, um, that guy's a legend. Yeah, but that's that's so that's so good. I haven't read that book, um, but I think yeah. that's. I mean, it's I in the first five pages, and you're already convicted, bro. <laughs> Dude, I, I can't even think of a better way of, of of saying that. Like, yeah, so many people. We you start out. A lot of people start out with that fire of God, like, man, I want to win the world, right? Yeah. And then they go into the churches and preach to. The Christians, which is, I mean, obviously you need that. You need pastors. You need people to disciple people. But like, man, like, like don't forget to be Christ. Basically, I think that's the. Well, kind of- it's when like the applause feels as good as the the conversion. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, when that applause feels good as a conversion. When that conversion, when you when you like made so when someone came to know Christ and that that feeling in your chest like rose in you and that's why you wanted to be in ministry when that feels the same as an applause this is like come on man oh yeah yeah i mean at the end of the day i think a good metric just for any church any pastor is like if if you're celebrating your own wins more than you're celebrating maybe one person coming to jesus on a sunday like yeah. there's a there's an issue like one person coming to Jesus, that's a huge deal, man. Heaven's rejoicing. You know, you should be rejoicing. Um, and so I think I think that's a, a good a good metric. Like, OK, at the end of every every Sunday, can we say, you know, we try to reach people for Jesus. And if we did, how many came to Jesus? And if they did, are we are we celebrating that? We got to celebrate that. We got to nurture that. Yeah. So and if you're a pastor, like, did you speak to a non-believer during the week? Yeah. At all? Yeah. Like, like I think it's so hypocritical for us to preach about Jesus and never live for it on the week. You know, I tell people, I tell our church, like, if you don't have any unchristian friends, you're doing Christianity wrong. You know, like if all you have are, are Christians in your phone book and you're never just taking the time to have a lunch with somebody, I'm not saying become like the world. I'm just saying, you know, be, be on, be missional. This, that's what this thing of Christianity is. We we have to be missional. And so if you don't have any Christian friends, you're doing something wrong. You know, that's, that's who Jesus sought in his ministry. We're the least of these. We're, we're the, we're the sinners. Right. So that's good. Uh, Okay. Let's go to the next one. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Um, I refuse to love Jesus, but only in a service. I refuse to love Jesus but only in a service. So uh, I guess 
My grammar is always bad on these. That's how it, shows, <laughs> it shows you like I'm I'm still human, but it's all good. Yeah, that it looks great. Like, <laughs> the idea is like I see a lot of guys, and my I have friends that they sing like, and they are passionate about Jesus, and they can sing really well on Sunday, but then the rest of the week is like, where was that? Where is that guy at? And I think I I refuse. Like to just be loud about Jesus when on a church service. Come on, and not even just like me physically screaming. Yeah, I'm, I speak in tongues. I, I I'm Pentecostal Baptist. I'm everything. You know, <laughs> I don't have like a background. Like um, I speak in tongues because the Bible tells me I can. Um, the whole different podcast, right? But <clears throat> but I am. Um, I think for me is like I do that every day. Like. The same way I'm at church is the way I'm at home. And I think that's the issue with a lot of Christianity right now. It's like, especially people in my world where they're popular on social media and they're preachers and they post their preaching clips. But like, how do you live at home? Mm. Is that really like you're very extra on stage? Is that how you worship behind like, with God in your private time? Yeah. Like is your, is your, <laughs> are your kids looking at that social media post and looking at you like, for real? <laughs> well, not even that. Like you're jumping up and down on stage, but in your private time, you're not dancing before the Lord alone. Hmm. hmm. So is that worship or hype? That's where I get like, like if you can, if you're dancing on stage on Sunday, you should you better be dancing at home alone. Well, even yeah, if it's weird. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's really what worshiping in spirit and in truth is, right? You have yeah. to be truthful to who you are. And I tell people at our church, like, if if you're not if you're not a screamer, you know, like if you're not somebody who's just naturally loud, I don't really expect you to be loud in a worship service, you know, yeah. um, because like th- that's that's not you. Like if, if if you're trying to be something that you're not, you're not giving God your true self. So if that's you're that, if you're that person at church, be that person at home. Right. That's good. Um, so, yeah. OK, I get it. Good. Uh, I refuse to sound like Christ, but live like the world. Simple. I- what this is specific to my region so all my posts are very specific to my region okay. sometimes um like i'm I'm calling out the people of my in my area i would say because i think i've seen this a lot where it's like you post the sunday morning you know i'm, I'm at church and then i i, I pass by the, the club and i see you you know <laughs> like or like i i work with you and i know you're not who you say you are on stage you know and there's a very big church culture in my region where it's like you can serve a church act like the world and there's no consequences um and it's accepted and that's where i feel like i refuse to do that like i want to be genuine about i'm christian and i live that way all the time it's not just something i do it's who i am right yeah yeah and i think that's the big tension you know my generation yeah. needs that my generation just needs to be like look man i'm all in or nothing bro like 10 toes deep i'm gonna die for this or like let's just not do it so I think that's just part of being Gen Z. It's like all or nothing gang mentality. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, the last one, man, I really, I really like. Um, and uh, can, can you can you see this when I change this like this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when I'm when I'm when I'm doing that is because I'm I'm trying to get prepared for for like a story. I'm going to probably take this section out and put it on a on okay. a, a an Instagram post or something. So make sure you you spit fire right here. Um, <laughs> no pressure. No, but I really, I love this one, man, because I'm a pastor, you know, and I think churches have vision, right? Um, but it says, I, I refuse to love my church's vision, but never live Christ's vision. 
Hmm. Yeah, I think the issue is this. The issue is that you memorize the core values of the church, but you don't know the fruits of the spirit. Come on. Like, you know your pastor's vision for the culture of your church, but you don't know the culture of Jesus Christ in your life. Like, I can quote every day, like, the 10 principles of our church, but I can't quote, you know, the, the things that Christ commanded me to. When I get to heaven, my pastor will not be there. It will be me and Jesus. And I will be responsible to his commandments over my life. Yeah, And the issue is that I can't go up to Jesus and tell him, you know, my church was, you know, love God, love people, change the world or whatever our, our quotes are. Right. Like, no, like my my value was like, whatever you told me to do, I did. You told me you said that um, to if you love me, obey me, I obeyed you with all of my life every moment. So I think this is towards the modern church, because what we've gotten really good is training Christians to follow churches instead of training Christians to be like Christ. Yeah. And what we've done is to teach Christians how to recruit more church members than more disciples. And what that has done to the church is that when our pastor falls or our church falls down or the world gets hard, they understand they can't be dependent on the church. And when the church gets rocky, they leave the church. But when we get people built on Christ and when the life gets rocky, Come on, they're still standing, they're still right. preaching, they're still leading. And we think, why did the millennial generation leave the church? It's because you taught them how to be like church, not like Christ. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that one. I love that one. Because I do think church, um, church members can be so committed to their church. And that's good. Like, you want that loyalty. You want that faithfulness. But like, there, there, was, there was a time where somebody said, like, uh, I, I was baptized before, but I really want to get baptized in this church. And it's like, that's, that's you're, you're, getting the wrong, you're getting baptized for the wrong reason. Like you're hey, not baptized in the name of your church. You're baptized in the name of Christ. And like, oh, wow. I think, I think that kind of epitomizes this whole thing, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if you love your church more than you actually love being a Christian, that that's, that's a problem. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's uh that's a great message for all pastors, you know, because yes, we want we want membership. We want people to feel like family. I mean, we we're a very family oriented church, and I love it, and I love our people. But more than that, like, you know, I don't want I don't want people just to be committed to the church. I want them to be committed to the kingdom, right? And mm-hmm. I think I think that's what the message is. So Good. I love that, man. I love it. Um, I know you have to you have to get rolling soon. Um, okay. but I I just I really appreciate your your time and uh, your perspective on, on Gen Z. Hopefully I can get you back on, um, on another podcast so we can talk about some other stuff. I'd love to do something like with, with more, more people, we can kind of just engage in, in conversation, but uh, I love it, man. Um, any last, any last words you want to say? Um, tell us how we can, how we can connect with you and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Jacob Salguero, S A L. G-U-E-R-O. Um, follow Eden Houston. Um, church is going to be awesome. And uh, man, I just pray that everyone in this podcast who listens to it is just blessed. And I pray that there's just peace in their heart and their mind that the 2024 year is a year that they're becoming more like Christ. I think my biggest goal has shifted a lot where I really just want people to look like Christ in every area. And I'm, I'm kind of getting into a realm where God's putting me around more influential leaders. And I'm starting to be that random light in the room that says, hey, 
like bro like be more like Christ, <laughs> yeah, even yeah. in those rooms. And um, and look, this year I'm I'm writing a book currently, a couple books, but one I'm, I'm trying to release this year, um, about church hurt and what that looks like in my generation and how to overcome it. And uh, I'll see you in Houston soon. So if you're in Houston, link with me. I'll be there all January, February. So link with me, and uh, I'm excited to see y'all. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. Hey, man, it's, it's funny. The last person that I, I interviewed on the podcast, he's actually writing a book on 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 the same thing, Church Hurt. So that's that's interesting. That's interesting. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that when your book comes out. Right. We'll, we'll talk sure. about that. Thank you again. Um, enjoy the rest of your trip over there, man, and, and be safe. Sure. And and uh, appreciate it. God bless you, brother. Yes, sir. See you, man. All right. Later. Hey, thank you for listening to the JRC Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. If you didn't, I hope you'll give it another chance. If you did, do me a favor and give me a rating and a review on iTunes by going to the JRC Podcast and, and leaving it there. You can also help by sharing the content. That would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, head over to the website, jrcpodcast.com, and you can get in touch with me there. Have a blessed week, and until next time, peace out.